Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing four weekly podcasts, Dum Dums and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, and Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, as well as four event podcasts with miniseries releases at staggered intervals, Curse Code and Crown, Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the Bad Movie Review Show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pod, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merchandise. Dice today. Welcome back, children of the night, to Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. I am your host, Count Vlad von Lestat, drinker of blood, keeper of the Chronicle, and all around the spooky dude. The coterie are awaiting their audience with the prince and had a few minutes to catch up. Newly in charge, Iris asked what other lines they should draw during the negotiations. Ridley found out Iris knows Everett's secret and demands to be let in on it, and Everett finally reveals that he eats other vampires. Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. Everett Fry's words ring loud in the small, uh, sort of silent, tiled bathroom. Uh, the words, I eat vampires, accompanied by a loaded revolver um, land uh, on both of you. Now, admittedly, Iris, you already knew this was the case, but uh, Ridley, this is the, the secret you've been, you've been angling for, for for so very long. What do you do? I continue well, to speak and say, uh, you need to decide whether you're going to kill me now or not. Well, I mean, wait, we, we've all eaten a fucking vampire. We all ate well, it's his fucking name from the school. We've all I drank eat vampires exclusively, Ridley. 
That's my prey, is you. You and Iris and all the other vampires you may or may not care about or come to care about. That's my food. Just let me wrap my head around this one. So Yeah, let me help you wrap your head around that. It has been made pretty clear to me that that is basically grounds for immediate execution within the Camarilla, any kind of real vampire organization, as I understand it. And now you have this anchor around your neck, my insatiable hunger for vampire blood. So either pick up the revolver and put me down like the ravenous dog I may turn out to be, or like you mentioned earlier, does knowing my God awful secret all of a sudden make you trust me now? Because you've got something on me. <laughs> That's oh what it God. took, right? Everett, you're a fucking moron. Do you know this? Well, I mean, do you get blood bound to people if you've been drinking from the same vampire? You drank some of what's the fucking name that we kept in a box. Did you fall in love with her? No, I fucking ate her, Ridley. Listen, you're getting real fucking preachy. Let's just tone it down while we can figure this out. So if you don't get blood bound and you fucking need to drink vampire blood, you should have told us this way long ago. I mean this in a, the nicest, most constructive way, but you're a fucking moron. You realise that we're vampires, right? So we can fucking drink blood from the people that we drink blood from, and we can put some blood in fucking bags that you could drink just from us. You don't fucking have to eat anyone. You don't have to slink around. You don't have to be fucking starving. We just amp up the amount we eat, and we fucking supply you. I, that's unacceptable to me. I don't like you eating people either. I don't want you, so I especially don't want you eating more people on my account. So now the theory is that we have to let you have some sort of bullshit moral stand, a man who turned a hunter into a vampire, a man who shot police officers, and a man who kidnapped a fucking baby is too good to survive as far as I've heard. You're determined that you're going to bring us down with you because we can't help you. If you've got a problem with the way my hunger has manifested in, yes, turning Jocelyn St. James. Everett, I think it's pretty clear that he doesn't have a problem with your hunger. No, I have a problem with you not letting us feed it. He has a problem with the decisions that I'm making. A problem that tonight I think I've realized is I'm not always driving the bus, so to speak. So how much more times are you going to let that get us into trouble? Well, if we give you blood from us, you drive the bus. Blood from us, drive the bus. That's the whole theory here. And what if, I, what if I get too hungry? What if I go too long and the next time I see you, I'm some kind of monster that tries to eat you, eat Iris? Well, I mean, we live together, so I feel like it won't be that long between when we see each other. This all feels like Band-Aid bullshit, man. It doesn't feel like a real solution. That right there, and I point to the revolver, and I say, that is a permanent solution. Okay, then shoot yourself, and I'll just toss him the gun. Listen, listen, guys. I feel like this is a bridge that we don't need to cross right now, especially with a snap judgment. I feel like that there are plans and methods that we can put into place to make sure you don't get that hungry. I well, mean, it sounds like pretty... you two have this well in hand, and I should have just... We're pretty resourceful. We can maybe, like, create some kind of snack pack that you always have around. A <laughs> snack pack. Well, it fucking has worked for her. She's got, like, that fucking guy down the, the hallway who's making me my murder gloves. You know, she's got 
Emily, she's got it. Did it? The soda stream shit. Like she's fucking creative when it comes to blood. We just got to get it from ourselves. Fine, fine. If you think it's going to work, go ahead. I don't. I don't know. I don't care. Do you and trust I'll, us at I'll all? I'll pick up the revolver and I'll, I'll holster it, uh, and I'll leave without answering the question. <laughs> And I mean, Oris, is it weird that he brought us into the bathroom for this? After outside, I said, what if we agree and just murder everyone who's a part of this organisation? I feel like that was a big statement to make in public. And this one is sort of comparable, not less, not more. I'm worried about him. I think he might shoot himself. And you you gave him back his gun. Yeah, because I can't fucking prevent him from doing it. Like, if he wants to do that, (laughs) what am I supposed to do? Fucking tie him up and put him in a corner? We've we've put vampires in a box and we agreed after a certain point that's just immoral. Right now, I'm hoping he makes a better choice. Because we can't fucking make him do it. His problem right now is he doesn't want to be a vampire. And he fucking never did. And he does horrible things as a vampire. He's no better than either of us. But he's so full of fucking shit that he fucking refuses to acknowledge where he is. Yeah, you're right. He. So is there kind of some sort of vamp therapist we can send him to? Because he needs to come to terms with the fact that he's a fucking vampire. Well, I mean, here's our problem, which is any vamp therapist will hear all of his thoughts. And we know that this organization of vampires is probably not the one we work for. And we know that the Bouchard brothers, instead of helping Emily, turned her into a fucking werewolf. So they're not reliable. How's your therapy skills? I feel like you're a good talker. I feel like... The best bet would to send him to a human therapist because he's not going to want to eat them. And at least he can talk about his issues in a thinly veiled. We can give him like something code Wait, that's not vampire. Like I'm, I have OCD. So what if you make a human therapist become part of your like herd of little helpers so that they love you and they won't betray us and then they can treat you know him. It's a possibility, but I mean, they're going to have to... I don't really want to take an innocent person and... What if we find, like, a shitty, crooked therapist? Someone who, like, sells drugs on the side or something that won't affect him, but then there's someone that I can eat if they become a problem? It's not a bad idea. It's going to be some sort of criminal therapist we can fucking find. Yeah. Should we tell him about this plan or just do it? I think we should probably just, you know, we need to find the therapist. We need to narrow that down. And then we can talk to him about how maybe he should see one. And we've got like a suggestion. We could give him a card and he can make a call. Seems like the healthy course of action. Yeah. Otherwise he might find his own therapist and then I'm worried that he'll kill them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or kidnap their baby or something. But we're committed to like helping him. Yeah, fuck it. I was committed to helping him in here. He's the one who's like, well, you need to kill me or help me. Well, he's, so being, know- a, he's being you- a big whiny baby. And he's yeah, and he's like, you can't help me. You have to kill me. Otherwise, shut up and I'll kill us all, which does not seem like a reasonable expectation of friends. Anyway, now that he's calm, we need to put a pin in this and deal with the other crisis that we're dealing with. Okay? Yeah. Oh, and by the way, it's cool if he knows I can't fucking read. I don't give a shit. Oh, it's just okay. a weird thing to try to bring up in conversation after a certain amount of time. Cool. Um, Everett, uh, as they're chatting, you are out amongst the, the crowd. Uh, what do you think you'd be doing? Uh, I need some air, even though I can't breathe. Like I can't benefit from it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, uh, you step outside onto the street. Um, the, uh, the two, um, uh, Bruja guards who are, are standing there, um, armed with like automatic weapons kind of nod to you and just kind of open the door. Um, outside, um, the, uh, 
there is chaos in the streets of Montreal. Um, uh, there's there's a, a joy in kind of popping out for a smoke um, to kind of get away from everything. But unfortunately, uh, the smoke that is uh, in the air right now is that of uh, collapsed buildings and and mass chaos. Um, given the the kind of downtown location of the Centaur Theater, you're it's not like there's cars whipping by, um, but uh, there's definitely uh, you can hear. Uh, you know, gunshots in the distance, um, sirens kind of at every angle. There's helicopters overhead. Um, the, the city's become a war zone. Um, I think for you as as a lawman, uh, there's something incredibly surreal about this because this is one of those things that I think people kind of claim doesn't happen in like Canada until it happens in Canada. And I mean, mm-hmm. Quebec actually does have a bit of a history with this um, with the FLQ. Um, so it is a bit surreal, but also I think brings home the fact that there are stakes to the vampire world's fight with the Inquisition that weren't immediately apparent. The fact that the Inquisition is willing to level buildings is a little concerning to say the least. Um, and I think much beyond what you as, as someone who admittedly was like planning to hunt vampires back in the day. Like I, that is much further than I think you would be willing to go. Um, what's uh, what's going through your head as as you kind of observe this scene of 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 terror and chaos? Why am I here? Uh, you know, I lived a life and I died, and that should have been it. And I was brought back for fucking what? Uh, this is all someone else's ambition made manifest. This is all other people's plans and wants and desires. And I was dead. I was dead. And now I'm back and I don't know what I want. And (laughs) what should, am, am I alive? Like, am I alive right now? Kind Mm. of just getting like real, like he's spiraling. Yeah, (laughs) Um, I understand. Uh, okay, can you go ahead and roll me a resolve and uh, let's go with awareness, please. Two hundred insight. I'd say you could also go insight if you want. And awareness or insight? I don't know if it makes a difference. Oh, it does make a difference. Let's go awareness. Uh, three successes. Okay. Um, so as uh, as you start to spiral, uh, Everett, I think you you briefly uh, your mind shifts, and you kind of almost can't help it. Um, but uh, as you're you're spiraling, kind of your subconscious is working away at at what it's observing. Um, you're seeing the chaos. You're seeing the um, anarchy, basically, that's been unleashed. Um, and as you are getting real meta metaphysical about your your own existence and the nature of life and, and everything else, um, there's a uh, a puzzle that's ticking away at the back of your brain. Um, and with that amount of successes, I'll say your your conscious mind is able to kind of of grasp it. Um, but uh, Ridley earlier stated that um, based on the text message, the camera here must be false and the camera that you've been sent by must be true but as you're thinking about 
what your purpose is and other people's designs, it occurs to you you're not actually sure if that's true. It could be. But as if you... That rolls to keep me from spiraling. That's not a good idea to pop into my head. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Look, I'm just giving what you got. Uh, it's not like you have like a fucking you know, support animal you can go hang out with who will calm you down. Um, but as an investigator, I do think um, a puzzle is something that might ground you slightly. And so the grounding question is, isn't whether or not this is all a lie or what you've been told is a lie, but just that something you, you, you're missing some facts. Um, and as is uh, Ridley and to some extent Iris's way, they've kind of driven pretty far ahead under the assumption that, yes, OK, what we what we have believed is true is true. But as an investigator, you actually don't have enough evidence on either side to really be able to wait that um, the Bouchard brothers piece doesn't fit right now. Um, nor does necessarily what the purpose of turning you would be. So all that to say, um, as an investigator, there is a case that could perhaps draw your attention that said, having the only thing that at least you thought you knew come under scrutiny is also concerning. So, I don't know if that solves anything for you, but I would say from my side of things, the only thing I can think of in this particular situation, this particular moment that might give Everett pause is an unsolved case. And currently this is that, but all right. He's your um, character. So I, I leave it up to you. A memory pops into Everett's mind very vividly uh, in this moment. Uh, and it is some extremely grim advice that he didn't necessarily take or agree with at the time but feels applicable now all of a sudden i think with enough stains on his humanity it makes more sense um a a more seasoned of uh, a veteran detective once uh gave me the advice that um uh when dealing with a sophisticated uh killer uh, in your investigation, sometimes the only way to solve the case, to identify and catch that person, is to wait for more bodies to mm. show up. Is to wait for them to continue killing, wait for them to make mistakes, wait for them to leave more evidence. Uh, and with the idea of like having to wait for more murder before gaining clarity, I think ever just kind of. I think he just says, fine. And he goes back inside and <laughs> joins the party. Great. Um, the uh, the guards nod to you as, as you come back in. Um, Ridley and Iris, um, would you, I assume you would have left the bathroom after your, your conversation concluded. So you're kind of back out on, uh, on the floor. Um, so uh, you will be called in to see the prince shortly. Uh, the only other uh, sort of hanging lead um, was uh, when you first arrived, you were told to seek out Jacob Kane, uh, that he might have information for you. Would you want to do that before or after you speak to the prince? And I believe, Everett, you were told this? I think you I was there pretending written. to be like her, not pretending, but like being her like attache, being her mm -hmm. assistant for that that piece. So I recall that information as well, but... I, I don't know if I've rejoined you two yet or if this is a decision being made kind of while I'm outside. I think um, this is as you walked back in. So I guess actually that's a good question for you, uh, Tyler. Do you think Everett would rejoin them now? Is it kind of that sheepish, like, I'm just going to like shuffle up near them and not necessarily address anything that's just happened? Um, 
yeah, I mean, I don't know anybody else, so I might as well go back to them just now that I've kind of taken a little walk. Okay. As, uh, as you start to make your way in, um, you feel a, a hand on your, your arm um, and uh, you turn to see Sorka. Um, but uh, now um, her eyes are a different color and don't have the, the doubling effect. Um, and uh, she just says, um, so uh, Sorka and I were talking and um, seems like you might be going through a bit of a rough patch. And trust me, if there's one thing we know, it's rough patches. Um, are you okay? Uh, Sorka is your sister. I'm sorry. Have we met you? I mean, we uh, have met, but you're uh, not yeah. Sorka. Uh, I, I kind of, yeah, uh, no, my name's Fiona. Um, uh, Sorka is, uh, not definitely not my sister. Cause that, that'd be super gross. Um, it's a, it's kind of a long story. Uh, I don't know how much you know about, um, uh, Tremere, uh, magic. Uh, I don't know if magic's a thing you necessarily know about. I know people don't talk about it all that much. Blood magic's kind of a, a weird, vaguely taboo, uh, topic, but, um, through a, a tremendously strange series of events, um, my uh, Sorka, uh, my my uh, lover, and I—well, uh, we we both kind of just got stuck in uh, this body, and she kind of like looks down. She says, "Sorka's body." So I'm kind of like, I guess, her roommate, sort of. I kind of, I'm renting, leasing. Uh, I'm not really sure. Squatting, perhaps. Um, but yeah, we're both in here. Um, it's handy that she's Malkavian because everyone just assumes she's talking to herself, but. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I don't get I don't get out very often, so this is a kind of a nice moment for me. But she was pretty drained after you know the whole like ah nom 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 arm 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 uh, situation. So I'm uh, driving driving the bus as it were. Um, but again, we we're both kind of worried about you. Um, are you okay? Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I thought I had kind of taken in all the uh, new and novel information that I could for one night, but you just, I think you might've just topped the whole list there with that uh, story about how you and Sorka came to occupy the same body. Um, Am I okay? I don't know. No. Are any of us okay after we die and become like this? I admit, I I mean, I'm trapped in my wife's body. So like, I get it. You know, we all have have a pretty even keel on things. Given your situation, you're stronger than I am. Well, I mean, we do now, but I got to tell you, it took a while. We um, when this first happened, it was uh, I mean, look, I don't know who your sire is or what your relationship is. Circus is a real fucking piece of work. And um, it was an unpleasant road. But, uh, you know, she made some some valuable friends and. those friends, uh, Abigail, some others, they helped. They helped us come to terms with this, figure it out. But no, there, there was a, there was a bad time there. Um, but we, you know, we we sought out help. We we spent some time in an asylum that really helped. Uh, it was meant to be a punishment, but turned out to be actually the best possible thing. We found some some real good supports there. And I mean, look, I uh, I came to this life from a kind of a different route. Um, and finding out that your, your wife is a a kindred, um, something you didn't think exists, uh, and then getting fucking merged with her is, is a bit of a trip. Um, so I, I get it. It sucks, but 
you know, I watched Sorka suffer alone for a really long time. And it sounds like you need to get yourself some support, man. Like, I don't know if it's, if it's friends or a lover or, or someone you knew when you were human, but even then I, I got to tell you as a former human myself, um, none of us are emotionally prepared for what your kind go through. So the sooner you can find some help from other kindred, uh, the better. Cause we're, we're all stuck like this. And, um, I don't think you need to suffer more than, you know, the whole having to drink blood thing, which is really fucked up. I'm, I'm real sorry you're going through that. Uh, it's one of, one of the few times I'm glad I no longer have a body is I don't have to taste it because it's, you never get used to it, or at least I didn't. Dum Dums and Dice would like to welcome you into the Mythos Mysteries, a live play Pulp Cthulhu podcast where improvisers and comedians venture into dangers beyond their wildest imagining. The series features Claire Blackwood as Red, Ryan LaPlante as Adrian Diesel, and Tyler Hewitt as Old Man Richter in a world created by Keeper Tom McGee. Our story begins with two erstwhile companions on a long and winding road. They think they are fleeing danger, but greater horror awaits them when they arrive. For they are not just running away from mortal danger, but towards the Mythos Mysteries. Episodes are available now. Uh, yeah, you, uh, you might be right. I thought I was getting some help from friends uh, earlier this evening, but we didn't agree on what help might have meant. Mm. Uh, and some people that I've cared about have uh, really been hurt or had their lives ruined by my involvement now that I'm like this. Um, you see uh, you see Fiona kind of put a hand to, to her temple Um almost like she's got a migraine. Um, and uh, as she uh, kind of blinks it away, um, her eyes take on that double focus um, again and uh, in a different uh, voice, um, admittedly kind of a sleepy voice, uh, kind of yawning, kind of shaking off the night. Um, uh, Sorka says, I mean, if anyone knows how that feels, it's me. <laughs> my wife got literally shunted into my body. That's a... Uh, you never quite get over how bad that feels. And admittedly, you know, we, we've made it work, but that's uh, the nature of being a kindred. The ones you love will get hurt. And it's up to you whether or not you can live with that and, more importantly, what you can do to make it right. I haven't thought about making it right. Thanks. You're welcome. And, uh, you know, if uh, you get peckish, arms always open. Fiona's like, that's so gross, Sorka. Don't offer our arm as a snack. Uh, and they proceed to have a, an adorable lover's quabble um, about like what hors d'oeuvres to offer as uh, as you make your way back over to uh, to the party. Uh, so the three of you are now um, sort of back together. Um, how how does that uh, kind of party? moment of reconciliation go not reconciliation like you all have to be buds but mm -hmm. you know it's awkward after you have a fight with someone to just shuffle back up to them because you don't know anyone else at the party i i don't know anyone else here and we know 
Um, Ridley, in the interim, you've managed to get um, a uh, a coat or a shirt of some sort. What uh, what are you wearing over your your burned flesh body now? Uh, I feel like he would have got it from one of the uh, the younger vampires because the older vampires wouldn't really be able to trade clothes so much. Uh, I feel like he's probably got like a Montreal Canadiens jersey, like something somebody was wearing over the other parts of their outfit that he's just kind of claimed. So it's baggy. It's like way too big. Uh, I think it's it's, swimming in it. Sure. And I think it's been shot several times. So it's like kind of ruined, which is why someone would be so eager to give it away. But uh, yeah, you're just you're wearing an an oversized jersey that makes you look a bit like, um, you know, uh, Kevin Smith of like 10 years ago, just massive oversized hockey jersey. Um, but uh, at least, you know, you're not flaking all over the place now. Um, <clears throat> so um, the question remains, do you seek out Jacob Kane or do you go to uh, meet the prince? Keeping in mind, you will have a chance to seek him out after. It's just up to you what order you want to do these things in. I don't think I know about Jacob Kane, so I can't answer this question. Fair enough. Um. Uh, Iris, do you want to speak with Jacob Kane before talking to the prince? I feel like the more data and information we have before having the big talk with uh, the new prince of Montreal might serve you well. I think that's smart. All right. Who's Jacob Kane? Uh, so they quickly fill you in on um, the information they received, just that, you know, person worth talking to. Um, and uh, with that, uh, you uh, you ask around, uh, you ask a couple of friendly kindred, and they point you to um, a man who is um, uh, just sort of um, uh, standing in um, a corner, uh, looking at a um, a very well polished pocket watch um, that uh, seems almost to be like a cross between a locket and a pocket watch. Like there's a photo in it um, in the the cover of it. Uh, he's a tall guy, uh, short black hair, very well kept beard. Um, he is uh, he's wearing a, a meticulous uh, sort of forty style three piece suit, um, but uh, yeah, he's um, he just seems to be uh, kind of looking uh, a little bit um, almost longingly at um, at uh, the wristwatch or at the pocket watch. Um, and as you approach, um, he just kind of smiles at it and says, ah, yes, right on time. Um, and he snaps it shut. Um, for those of you who would be interested, I feel like all three of you are kind of inquisitive enough that you might want to, uh, inquisitive in the case of the investigator and the mobster, uh, nosy in the case of Iris. Um, if you want to try and see what's in the locket, uh, you can go ahead and roll me a, let's go with, um, awareness and wits because this is literally just like a you know invariably if someone's looking at something secret your eyes are drawn to it and whether or not you you can see it before he snaps it shut one success for ridley two okay and tyler's counting up his dice uh, four successes, two tens, neither of them on hunger dice. Ah, regular successy. Um, well, uh, that's good because you were the only one to roll high enough, uh, to catch it. Um, Everett, you're slightly taken aback, uh, to see a photo of, uh, Dr. Skull. 
Um, admittedly looking uh, much um, much more put together than you ever saw him. Um, a little bit younger, um, very clean cut. Um, and uh, the uh, pocket watch um, snaps shut. And um, he um, uh, just kind of uh, looks up and says, um, I was so very dearly hoping that you would uh, come to see me at this particular time. It would seem to me that 8.42 p.m. is the ideal time for a meeting. Wouldn't you agree? In Everett's brain, he just screams, Christ, it's only 8.42 p.m. <laughs> just like, what a hell of a night. It's been a fucking rough one. Uh, yeah. And again, everything like that whole bar fight was probably five minutes. Um, but um, yeah, uh, it gets dark early. Sure. Um but uh, yes, he he kind of uh, looks up at uh, the three of you expectantly, and then um, his eyes narrow a bit, and he just says, "Ah, yes, you. I believe you might be just the people I'm looking for. Mister Desanti will be ever so pleased that you came." Hmm. Who now? Um. He uh, he kind of um just mutters to himself a little bit and, and shakes his head uh, and says, uh, you must forgive me. I am bad at providing the necessary conversational context often. It is a danger of having a mind as busy as mine. Yes, um, Mr. Angelo DeSanti, my current employer, as it were, and um, a man of, of some renown. Um Tyler, uh, Everett would definitely remember this name um, from uh, the visits to the hospital when you guys were investigating what happened to Emily. Um, DeSanti Medical is a massive um, uh, sort of medical agency um, here in Montreal. Um, you saw DeSanti Medical equipment everywhere at, uh, at the hospital you went to. Uh, obviously, privatized hospitals aren't really a thing up here, but... Um, his stamp was definitely all over the place. Uh, it's definitely a name you would know. Um, and uh, he says, uh, Mr. DeSanti is very curious to speak with you. He did not, your your incursion into his hospital was not unnoticed. Uh, neither, I believe, was your, if it was indeed you, uh, your toss-up at the coroner's office, both of which were, rather well documented i'm afraid nevertheless he is quite eager to speak with you um and uh you notice he kind of gets a little like he shuffles his feet a little bit and says uh and actually i must admit i am as well i do believe you may have been some of the last people to speak to my dear friend before his murder and I would be ever so grateful if you could assist me in discovering what happened to my dear friend. I believe you knew him as Dr. Skull. Uh, Everett looks to Iris. Um, yeah, um, we did have a brief, a couple brief encounters. He helped us out a couple times, but uh, can't say that I, I know exactly what happened to him. One of our friends, 
was a patient in his care. So, yes, we did visit the hospital and speak with Dr. Skull, uh, but only regarding our friend, I believe. Um, and uh, he, he kind of nods um, and uh, looks back up and he says, yes, but you did investigate the crime scene, I believe. Please, you wouldn't stop a vampire from avenging a friend, would you? And uh, you see a slight flicker of flame appear in his hands uh, around the, the pocket watch, which he, he quickly kind of like closes a fist around and sticks back in his pocket. That's a neat trick. Hmm. It comes with a cost, but it is worth it. Oh. The magical arts are not one that all kindred are aware of, but I find them quite fascinating as do the rest of my clan. Uh, and then he uh, nods He nods at um, uh, Ridley and says, I believe you are familiar with the flame as well, my friend. I've had a taste. It's not my favourite, but, you know, I feel like I'm going to be tasting it again at some point in the future. Hmm. We all do, eventually. In any case, I cannot possibly put my needs before Mr. DeSantis, but if you do find the time, I would greatly appreciate any assistance you can give me. Trust me. And he, he kind of pats the, the pocket with a pocket watch. He says, I'll always find the time. And I sincerely hope you will as well. This is where you may find Mr. DeSanti. And he hands you a, a business card. Um, and he says, uh, I believe he may be able to help with your current housing situation as well. You would do well to call him at your earliest convenience. Oh, uh, why would uh, Mr. DeSanti extend such a kindness to us? Um, and he he grins in a uh, almost like a Grinch esque grin, like his his mouth is alarmingly thin. Um, and uh, he just says, uh, "Our kind." must always trade in favors and niceties, wouldn't you agree? Besides, based on the condition of this particular one, and he nods to Ridley, says, you might want a nice, comfortable place to recuperate for some time, I think. And I'm sure what he will ask in return will be entirely within your means to grant. It's always helpful to have friends, don't you think? And with that, he'll... Um, kind of like uh, almost like his eyebrows just sort of shoot up a moment and he reaches into his pocket quickly um, and says, Oh dear. And immediately just like books it across the room where he plants and then proceeds to wait. Um, and a moment later, someone does indeed walk up and you can see his shoulders kind of relax with uh, relief as, as the person meets him. Well, all right. I doesn't really help us, I guess with the, uh this conversation with the prince, but good to know we got a place to stay tonight. I'm also going to tell you right now, under no circumstances will I be helping him avenge, <laughs> avenge Dr. Skull. Yeah, no. Emily killed the shit out of Dr. Skull, and I guess that's not really... Well, I think the, the key to this work. one is we're going to have to find someone fucking else that he can blame it on, because he's not going to go away, which means this, this is an ongoing threat against Emily. But right now, he's also where we're going to sleep tonight because we actually have no other options. So, yeah, other than, 
I guess we could all move into Iris's place. Iris, has your place been, um, I don't know, uh, a security concern in any way? I mean... Um, I mean, other than the fact that I just got trampled by a ton of vamps with Drac. Um, oh, fuck. Okay, no, no. We need a new place to stay for all of us. Uh, Something is- tells me uh, Jacob Kane is not going to be so easy to fool. That pocket watch thing seems to give him insight into things. But anyway, that's a bridge to cross uh, another time, I guess. Okay, so we talk to the prince. We go visit Mr. DeSantis to get ourselves a new fucking place. And then we figure out how to hide Emily uh, and feed someone who's in a very fucking convincing way to the man who wants to avenge Dr. Skull. I'm this close to feeding him, Iggy. And with that, uh, Sheriff of Elysium, Ryan LaPlante, arrives and just starts like violently pointing at a watch um, and gesturing kind of wildly. And with that, you go in to meet the prince. This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Megan Miles at Meggie Miles on Twitter, and storyteller Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and all of Dum Dums and Dice's logos are by Decapitated Markers at Decapitated Marker on Twitter, that's M-R-K-R. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis and Traffic by Kai angle and all our ads use the tracks no control in chiefs by jazzar that's j-a-h-z-z-a-r all of their music is available on freemusicarchive.org when it comes to dum dums and dice you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com our twitter and instagram are at dumdumdice and on facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice we've also got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice and most importantly you can join our patreon of darkness at patreon.com slash dumdumdice that's d-u-m-b d-u-m-b d-i-c-e sleep well children of the Died. <laughs> Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lorda Bradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Taryn Hefner, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.